hello and welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Today I want to talk about accidents. For example, kitchen accidents. The kitchen is a dangerous place. You burn yourself from the oven, from the stove. You cut yourself from large chef knives, from bread knives. Possibly you drop something into the mixer. You mess up your hands. There's so many things that can happen. Just think about the meat slicers. At work, there's constantly people, mainly they get cuts and burns. But we don't have a first aid kit. We have to go to security to get it, to get like a band-aid or a burn solution. Because usually you have to fill out forms. So somebody's bleeding and I'm like, hold on, we have to go to security. <laughs> So this crazy accident happened at work, and it's a little bit embarrassing. I don't really know why I'm talking about it, because it was so embarrassing. So what happened was, there was a propane torch. The top of it was leaking gas. Obviously, I didn't know it was leaking gas. So I tried to light it, and it wasn't wanting to light. So I kept trying, and... Next thing I know, it lights, but the gas is coming out between the top and the propane torch. So the whole thing lights on fire. Basically, my hands are in the fire, but nothing happens. I guess the more you work with hot things, nothing affects your hands. I don't know. <laughs> but I put it on the floor because the whole thing is lighting on fire. I can't get the fire out. I go and call for help because at this point, you know, I don't want to throw water on it or I need a fire extinguisher. I call for help. The other chef comes in and he quickly goes, I don't know what he does, but <laughs> I go out and I'm like, okay, it's, you know, I, I need help. Meanwhile, I look in and my assistants are throwing water on the propane and I'm like, no, don't do that. You know, but I... But I'm like in the middle of trying to get somebody's attention. They continue to put water on it. And you're not supposed to put water on fire because that makes it worse. Next thing I know, a dishwasher goes in and he takes a sheet pan and he hits the propane torch. Like that's going to make a difference. You know, like he hits it with a sheet pan. I'm like, don't do that. Like, what are you doing? And then I have assistants, you know, they're panicking. Obviously, we've never dealt with the situation. And then another assistant, she's in the corner screaming, like full on, you know, chaos. You know, and then somebody from a different department comes in with a fire extinguisher, basically puts the whole thing out. And then basically, I didn't even notice, but there was a fire extinguisher, like pretty much in the room right next to the mixer and i've seen it so many times but for some reason i didn't it didn't register basically it's right next to the mixer and i'm just not registering this but the thing is nobody else registered it like they're going somewhere else for a fire extinguisher meanwhile it's in front of everybody's eyes of course this whole thing was caught on camera you know what i should have done was taken everybody outside all the assistants so that i'm the only person in the room basically get control of the situation taken the fire extinguisher that was next to the mixer and just put it out <laughs> Meanwhile, this whole other thing happened. And that's the thing. When accidents happen, they happen so quickly that you're not in the right frame of mind. 
And honestly, I've never been in a fire like that. You know, things just happen so quickly. I've had all these other accidents happen, which I'm going to talk about. My first accident was, it was actually in acting school. It was the first time I ever needed to go to a hospital. I actually wasn't even born in a hospital. I was born at home in Germany in um, my childhood house. I personally never needed to go to a hospital for anything myself. I visited hospitals a lot. Obviously, when my mom's car accident, you know, I spent a lot of time in the hospital. So my first accident happened in this play I was in, in New York, in acting school. It was me and my scene partner, and we had this argument. The argument was part of the play. And in the play, I have a hammer and I have to chase my scene partner around with a hammer. So this is a scene that we're doing and the rest of the class is watching. Basically every day you have acting class and you have different acting coaches with different classes. And this was just one scene of a play that we were doing. You know, and everybody watching that's in the class also has their own scene. So we're watching each other's performances or each other's work and basically critique and learn from it. I'm chasing my scene partner around with a hammer. I mean, already it sounds like there's going to be an accident, right? The argument is part of the play. Basically in the play, my scene partner is trying to take over my theater. Like I own a theater, my character and the scene partner is jealous and wants to take it from me. So I chase her out of my office, which is, you know, the acting room where people are watching, and I have to chase her out with a hammer. But what happens is I get her out the door, I move the hammer, and as I move it, it hits the door, like by accident. The end part of the hammer, you know, the hook part, goes back and hits my head, like it ricochets from the door into my head, like kind of right above my eyebrow. I feel like it hurts. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get a bruise, whatever. But I continue the scene, because what happens is there's more of the scene after my scene partner leaves the room. I'm wearing this dress, which is part of my costume, you know, in the scene, and all of a sudden I see blood like blood is dripping from my from my head and but I continue the scene and I don't want the blood to get on my dress so I'm like holding my dress and in the corner of my eye I see that the other actors watching the scene are, seem very concerned you know but I <laughs> I finish the scene next thing I know like there's this giant gash above my eye the you know the acting coach is like you have to go to the hospital so that was the first time I was ever in a hospital and I went there and I think I waited like a while maybe four hours or something and I got seven stitches yeah and it healed very well you know I kind of had this scar where my eyebrow is but that was a super long day you know, I did the scene and after school, I was supposed to meet up with a guy that I really liked and we were friends, but I thought it was a date. Like to me, it was a date. You know, I don't think it was. 
Um, it's just one of my stories. Anyway, so I went home. I was totally messed up from the hospital and I had a headache. That was a rough day. So I go to sleep and I, but before I went to bed, I wrote a note for my roommate because she knew I had this date. She can like recall it super clear because I think I just wrote hit head with hammer. Don't worry. Rescheduled date. I think that's probably what I wrote. How weird was that though? In my head, I'm like, um, you know, I'm fine. I just got hit in the head with a hammer. But the fact that I had to reschedule the date, like that's more of a concern for me. Not, not that I got hit in the head with a hammer, you know? So how twisted is that? My mindset, looking back on it now, it's almost like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't matter. But this date is more important than anything else. Like, what the hell? I'm so crazy. Or I was so crazy. I think when I woke up, she's like, what? <laughs> like, what was your note? <laughs> so anyway, that was my first accident. And that was in New York. And it was after acting school. So it was a two-year conservatory program. You had to be invited back for the third year. I didn't get invited back for the third year, but there was talk, you know, and, and people would say, oh, you're totally going to get invited back and all this stuff. But then if I find out that I didn't and I made myself so sick. If I were accepted to the third year, I don't know, that would like make my career or something. But I didn't get invited back. I was so upset about it that I made myself sick. And it was after that moment that I thought, what is going to happen next? It's like I had built my third year just thinking I would be accepted, you know, and then I wasn't. What happened instead was I started working at Houston's at the restaurant in New York and I started auditioning. So the thing is in acting, you can't get an agent if you don't have work experience or, you know, an acting resume and you can't get a lot of acting work if you don't have an agent, you know, so it's a catch 22. So I started out with theater. That's when I got into, it was like kind of my first role and it was a touring role. And we toured across like the Midwest, you know, Chicago and I think like eight different states. And that was a pretty big deal for me because I got paid doing what I enjoy, you know, and, and it was like a group of, I think, 10 actors and we set up the stage we did everything we traveled with our own costumes so that was like a first kind of big experience for me acting wise then it was a musical so in it i sang and it was a german and english musical it was like an educational thing and because i speak german that's when i started getting voiceover work i used my voice on some documentaries. I also did like an educational, I also did an educational film for kids learning to speak German. And then I got into video games because they needed like a German villain. So I was on King of Fighters and I did all these screaming kind of things, you know, in King of Fighters because it's a fighting game. So you have to do all these screams of when you die, of when you win and things like that. And it was through that that I also got my first kind of big video game, which is where I did motion capture. And that was a big deal for me because that's when I became part of the Screen Actors Guild. But the motion capture was cool because there's about 200 cameras around the stage. 
and this was when I moved to LA, you wear this suit and there's all these like sensors on your suit and on your face, depending on what they want to capture. Basically, you're acting as if you're on stage in the theater, but you're on stage for all these cameras that are sensing your motion, you know, and then that gets translated onto the computer and then they use that in the video game. So that was a really great experience. On that, I also used my voice and the game was called Saboteur, which was supposed to be a big deal. And there was talk of there being a second episode and a third, but then there wasn't. It flopped, the whole thing flopped. And it was a war video game. And of course, right, like with a German accent, of course I get a war video game. But every role that I've gotten, acting-wise, I got them all myself because I didn't have an agent. But I really had to get out there and fight for these roles. You know, one never led to the other. It was constantly getting out there, you know, sending my headshots. And, and back then, you know, I had to always take the headshots with me. It wasn't something that was sent digitally at that point. And I also was on a James Bond trivia show and I won, which was awesome because I love James Bond. <laughs> anyway, that was my first accident was when I was at the acting school in New York. So the next accident was I had started culinary. I was working at Bouchon in LA, like in Beverly Hills. Somebody I work with, it was her birthday. So at home, I decided to make a cake for her. And I also make sugar flowers, like using gum paste. So I learned how to do this from a really good chef in culinary school. And she was great at making sugar flowers. So we had classes on it and I picked it up really easily. So I can make these lifelike roses and I have all the tools for it, you know, and it's a lot of fun. But one rose, like one big rose can take maybe like if you're fast, an hour, an hour to two hours, because you have to make all the petals separately and then you have to color them. You put in the veining and then you put them all together. You know, it's a lot of work. I was in the apartment in L.A. and I had made a cake like the sponge, maybe a couple weeks prior, because sometimes I would get asked to do a lot of cake orders. So I'd have like a backup sponge in the freezer. But the thing is, the sponge wasn't fully thawed. And I'm like, it's fine, you know? So I cut it in half and I just got these new Mac knives. They're these really great knives that I got at a discount at Bouchon. And it was brand new and I'm cutting it with a serrated knife, like a large kind of bread knife, I feel that the center is still frozen. So I add more force to it. You see where this is going, right? <laughs> to my ex-husband, he's sitting on the couch, like watching TV, like a typical thing. And, <laughs> and I'm cutting the cake and it kind of gets stuck in the frozen part, you know? So I add more force so that it cuts through it but then it slides through like butter through the rest of it because it was just the center that was frozen and it slides right into my middle finger on my right hand and it slices through two nerves of the finger and I see it and I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> so like when I panic, I don't scream or yell or have like a panicky voice. I'm just like, Oh no. 
and my ex is watching TV and I'm like, I need your help because <laughs> I'm feeling queasy. I don't feel well. And he's like, did you say something? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I need your help. <laughs> like, obviously, I'm not laughing. He gets up and he sees that I cut myself and there's like quite a lot of blood, you know, and I'm, I'm putting like a kitchen towel around it. <laughs> And I'm on the floor because I can't stand up straight. I'm feeling super dizzy. You know, I'm kind of like hyperventilating. And he's like, we have to get to the hospital because it was like super deep cut. Obviously, I cut through two nerves. And my dog, she sees that I'm not feeling well. So she's licking my face, you know, trying to make me feel better. But I'm like totally out of it. He helps me down the stairs because we had like a townhouse. And we walk down to the front and I just pass out. I pass out and my ex is like shaking me like get up get up you know and we get to the hospital and I had 14 stitches like it was basically along the whole finger and I think like I had insurance through my ex I don't know I think it was like five thousand dollars or something stupid I don't know if I didn't have insurance but thankfully I did so anyway so that was the second one but finish making the cake after like with my messed up finger the stitches were sewn on and then it just started to burn like I couldn't work for I think a week after that because everything you do you do with your hands and I had this really thick bandage on my middle finger but I still finished the cake for the person I worked with and I brought it in with my messed up finger and it looked great like it came out really beautiful <laughs> but i totally remember that accident because it was so stupid i mean obviously that's why they're accidents right because things that happen are so stupid that was a kitchen accident you know and this reminds me of this didn't happen to me but sometimes piping tips especially star tips can be super violent so this happened when i worked at the cafe in arizona in flagstaff and assistant, like he just used a large star tip and he was drying it out like the inside of it but his finger got stuck into the star part you know and you can't like pull it very much because it just pulls on your finger and basically takes off your skin and it starts bleeding so he has to like hold it up you know and then basically you just have to kind of pull on it very fast to take the star tip off it wasn't funny obviously but after the fact it's kind of funny so another kind of major accident that i had was in switzerland you know what's funny is i don't really have these accidents at work they all happen at home and i think maybe I don't know, like I have definitely clumsy moments, but <laughs> you know, I'll trip and fall and things like that. Because also I had a pole accident. Luckily I didn't have to go to the hospital for it. I was doing, it was like a photo shoot at the studio. I was doing a backwards like lay and it's like I let go of the pole with my leg. Basically my two legs were hooked onto the pole. I don't know, I just released. And I fell down, like basically I fell on my head and there was this hollow sound. Basically my head fell like on the floor. Luckily I wasn't very high, but that could have like broken my whole 
like spine, you know, my neck. And I was like in a lot of pain and I couldn't do pole for, I want to say like a month after that, but that was pretty painful. My whole kind of neck area was fused for a while. So next was, you know, on the episode where I, the bad things happen in threes, where I talk about my car accident that I had in Arizona, where my car flipped twice, but I was okay. You know, my car was totaled. There were chef knives in the car, in the back seat, and they were flying around the back seat area. The windows were getting smashed, and the car was rolling twice, and it was rolling over the median into the lane with the cars coming towards me. But luckily they didn't hit me and I was helped out of my car, but I was fine. I just had a scratch on my hand, you know, and I went to the chiropractor for a while after that. So I'm in Switzerland. This is like the next, this is like a major thing. I'm super thirsty. Like this is when I'm with my ex, but there's, you know, they're just all exes, but <laughs> I'm with my ex fiance in Switzerland and this is, I don't want to say like 2, 3 a.m., something like that. I'm super thirsty. And I go to the kitchen, and it's like a long, narrow kitchen. There's tile floor. I get a glass. I fill it with water, and I can't drink it fast enough. So like, I'm so thirsty. Next thing I know, like, the water goes down the wrong pipe. Like, I, it's like I, I tried too fast to drink, and it gets stuck. And it was like a lot of water that went down the wrong way. It starts to hurt, you know, it hurts as I feel it, like, go down. And next thing I know, I'm on the floor, like I passed out. I looked it up later, and it says that when when something goes down the wrong pipe, your brain naturally shuts off. Like, it's, a, it's something that the body instinctually does, you know, so as to not create other issues in your body and um, it's basically because when stuff goes down the wrong pipe all kinds of things can happen I guess right so, so your brain shuts off so that it doesn't get worse but meanwhile I'm on the floor what happens is I wake up my head hurts like I'm so confused because I'm laying on this tile my head is hurting I feel like I'm gonna get bruises on my head and I have a couple of cuts on my head next thing I know like I'm laying on glass and I feel like something's wrong with my leg on my thigh and I feel that there's I don't know like it feels wet around my thigh and it turns out that when I fell when I passed out the glass that I was drinking from, I dropped. And luckily I was wearing like slippers, whatever. So it was just on my leg, but the glass dropped on the floor. It broke because it's tile. And I fell on top of the glass. And as I fell, I cut open my leg. So it was like this kind of like an L shape, you know, that was cut open on my leg. And there was blood coming from it and basically it cut like through the whole skin and you could see like the fat cells like under the leg which i'd never 
experience before, but luckily I couldn't see it because I probably would have kept passing out because I can't handle seeing blood. I just pass out all the time. So as I'm laying there, I'm like, oh, nine, <laughs> which, is, which means, oh, no, in German. You know, when I say it like, oh, nine, like not even crazy. And my ex hears me, luckily, <laughs> and he, he gets up and he turns on the light and he's like panicking. Well, he's not really panicking, but I see in his face that this isn't good. Okay, so he grabs a kitchen towel and he wraps it around my thigh as like a tourniquet because it's a lot of blood. So there's blood like from my leg through the whole kitchen and glass, you know, so. And I all of a sudden, like, I know what's going on. Like, I see oh crap, like this is not good. I start to get lightheaded. It's like, I want to pass out, <laughs> you know, but he's just like, breathe deep, like, you know, breathe deep. And he was very, he was very good in this situation. Anyway, he calls an ambulance. The ambulance arrives. They help me down. Like I'm like up five flights of stairs. They help me down the stairs and they put me in the ambulance. You know, and I'm kind of worried because in the U.S. when that happens. So like after my car accident in Arizona, the firefighters came first and they checked to make sure I was okay. But then the ambulance came too and I refused to go in the ambulance because when you do that, you know, that can be a lot of money. And I felt like, okay, I didn't have anything majorly wrong. Like there was nothing wrong with me. If I felt I need to go to the hospital, I would go later and not go with the ambulance. Because here, you know, depending where the hospital is, it can be like a thousand to, I don't know, 3000 for an ambulance. So all of a sudden, like I'm on an ambulance in Switzerland and I'm like, uh, like I don't have, I don't have insurance, you know, and and then my ex is like, this isn't, this isn't the US. You don't have to worry about it, you know? <laughs> so what happens is in Switzerland, even when you're home, I was working there on a temporary basis. So I had insurance through my work and basically anything that happened even at home, it was covered by the insurance through work. But the thing is in Switzerland, everybody has to have their own insurance. Like it's mandatory. I got, I want to say like 18 stitches on my leg, you know, and then I had problems like walking for a while after that because it was in my thigh. So even just sitting, you know, trying to get to the bathroom and just sitting for dinner. I mean, sitting was very complicated for a couple of weeks, but these bandages had to be changed so that nothing got infected and, you know, it had to be washed. So basically my ex took care of me and yeah, they covered everything with insurance. Like it wasn't even an issue. Whereas here it would be like, you know, you'd probably get like some weird bill for something that wasn't covered. You know, maybe like the cotton swabs or something. And then there'd be like hundreds of dollars. I don't know. But like that was like my last big accident. And now I have this 
big scar on my leg. It took a while to like really heal. It was pink for the for like a couple years, and now it started to look a bit more normal. But yeah, like those were my accidents, and uh, luckily I don't have too many. I just can't handle blood. Like when I see it, it totally makes me pass out, <laughs> which is terrible <laughs> to work in the kitchen. The other day, I was thinking about sleepwalking because I used to sleepwalk, and maybe I still do. I don't know because I'm single, so nobody's telling me if I'm walking around or not. But usually, if I would get stressed out about something, if something was new, I would sleepwalk. And in New York, I had roommates. They'd basically tell me if I was. Walking around, <laughs> my roommate Beth, she would, she would wake me up if I was walking around, sleepwalking. And you're not supposed to wake people up, so I would wake up, and then I'd look around, like, what's going on? And I'd feel so dumb. I'd feel so ridiculous. I'd be in the middle of the hallway or something, just standing there, and I'd be so confused. So then I just go to bed, and feel, what did I just do? When I first moved to New York, my roommate, she, um, Sam, we shared one room. So it was just one room, the studio. One day, I was sleepwalking <laughs> in the room, and I go to the main door. It was just one room. There was a bathroom, a closet, and then the main door. And it was at the St. George in Brooklyn. So I walked over to the main door, and we had three locks on the door. There was a chain, and two other locks. In my sleep, I undid the chain, I opened the locks, and and then I opened the door. And I'm just standing there, and I know because Sam wakes up from the light because in the hallway there's a light, and she's like. Oh, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> like freaking out. <laughs> and as she's asking me, like I'm waking up doing this, and I just stand there and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I <laughs> I close the door <laughs> and I go back to bed. And after that, I mean, that that was a story I think she never forgot because to her it was like the weirdest thing and it was weird it was truly weird like <laughs> i mean thankfully we were in a a building you know there was nobody outside or anything like that it was totally sketchy and it stayed with me and i did it all my life i used to sleepwalk as a child and my family they would tell me because they wouldn't wake me up you know they would say oh hi you're sleepwalking again you know and just randomly do their stuff continue to do what they were doing and I'd just be walking around in my sleep. So <laughs> I did it my whole life. I also would talk in my sleep. Like I was very active in my sleep. Maybe that's why I would be tired in the morning. I don't know. And then when I was married, I remember I would have these nightmares. I kind of had nightmares my whole life. They would get more vivid the older I got. And there was this one nightmare where somebody was like attacking me in my sleep. I punched my ex who was sleeping next to me. I punched him and I woke up because he was like, ow. <laughs> like, and I woke up, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was being attacked in my sleep. But then the, you know, the older I got, it kind of stopped at some point. 
And maybe I still talk in my sleep, but I don't remember doing anything else. But it was just so funny. Like the things you do, you know, that you don't realize you only know because of the people you live with or sleep with. But I think for me, moving around so much and being in these new situations, like now I put myself in these new situations because that's just the way I live. Yeah, I get nervous about things like being in Japan. I have no idea how I'm going to travel to all these places, but I'll figure it out. You know, I'll just go and figure it out. We did the same thing. Me and my ex, when we went to Costa Rica, I'd never been there before. I planned all these different places to stay across the island. We rented a car and then drove to these different places. And along the way, we found these activities to do. There was this one activity. It was a coffee tasting, which was amazing. And so you can follow him. It's called Santuario Ecologico Monteverde. And he's also on Instagram. We did this coffee class. We were on this property and he showed us his whole property outside. There was a composting area. There was an area where he grew coffee and coffee grows best with the shade of the banana plant. Coffee doesn't like direct sun. So if you grow it with banana at the same time, it's the perfect combination. So he was showing us how the coffee grew. And then he gave us a tasting of different kinds of coffees. Like he was talking about processed coffee, how most of the world drinks coffee from large companies. So they don't really know how coffee is supposed to taste. It's the same with chocolate. You know, we get so used to eating one thing, but that's not how the product truly is. It's just produced in these mass quantities that we think, oh, this is the way it should taste, but it's not. And that's how I feel about coffee. I'm not a huge coffee drinker. Like I can take it or leave it. If I'm super tired, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I never really knew the way coffee could taste. And the reason is, if you look at coffee, there are berries. You know, same with pepper. I never knew pepper were berries, but there are these tiny, tiny, tiny berries. Coffee are larger berries, and on the inside, they're white. They have this red skin. Like at first, it's green, and then it turns red. But all these berries are picked. They have to be dried. Basically, they take about seven days to dry. They take three days if you take off the skin. So all these large companies they take off all the skins of the berries with large machines so that it dries faster so that they can produce the coffee faster. The thing is, when you take the skin off, it doesn't have its full flavor. In this place in Monteverde in Costa Rica, he leaves the berries on and he dries it the way coffee should be dried. And it has this fruity flavor. He roasts the beans once they're dried. The skin is taken off later. But if you roast it at a low heat, the thing is, most companies roast it at a high heat. And the reason is they get the beans without the skin. So it doesn't really have any flavor. That's why you have to roast it at a high temperature to give it this flavor. But the thing is, it tastes burnt. You know, same if you go to any major coffee roastery, it's like super smoky. And it's not the way coffee should be tasting. You know, so there's different kind of flavor profiles you can get 
And especially when you leave the skin on the berry, there's this fruitiness, there's this very like golden notes, honey notes, and it's delicious. You know, and I was never a coffee drinker. I bought some beans from this farmer. It's delicious. Like I love the taste of it. So when I make myself a cup, you know, I have some vintage coffee cups. I pour my perfect cup of coffee. It's this ritual. <laughs> but it's super interesting. Same with chocolate. The best flavor profile is if you roast it at a low temperature for a longer amount of time versus roasting it at a higher temperature for a shorter amount of time. Because if you roast it super high, then they're going to burn. You know, you can't you can't really roast it for more than like six minutes. But if you roast it low, like low and slow, then you can roast it for between like 30, 40 minutes. But the notes that come out are so different. And it's interesting the way, you know, chocolate, coffee, cinnamon, vanilla, these are all things that are on their way out. You know, we're not going to have them forever. And new ways of farming are being looked at, especially with hydroponics. You know, how to have plants grow indoors vertically. They don't have soil and they just use fertilizer and water. You know, the fertilizers and the water. But that's what I love when you travel is you discover new things as you're doing it. You know, and that's why I'm so hooked on traveling and every chance I get, I do it. So I'm super excited to see what I experience in Japan. And I have all these routes planned out of all these places I'm going to stay. No idea how to get to any of them. But, you know, I'm just going to go because that's how you discover new things. I was skiing the other day and it was my last day of skiing. I skied about 25 times, not a huge amount. I mean, it's a huge amount for me because basically I skied a lot as a kid. I was fearless as a kid. You know, I'm I'm kind of fearless in mind now, <laughs> but as a kid, I I would just slalom race and go downhill, straight downhill. I can't do that anymore. Like I have too many past experiences of pain. So I'm very cautious, you know, I'm a bit more cautious when I ski, but this season I've gotten a lot better than at the beginning and going like 25 times is pretty good because I would really just go once or twice a year. And when I was in Switzerland, I didn't ski at all. I would sled, I would hike in the snow and go up all these mountains, but no skiing. And here I have a season pass, you know, through work. A lot of people go, I don't know, between 50 and 100 times. In comparison, I went not that much, but I still went more than other people in the kitchen. Because that's the thing, you have to balance going, using your pass between work. And when we have a lot of events at work, it's hard, you know, to then go ski. And also when I ski, I'm super tired after. So I can't, I can't just ski before work or work and then ski. It just is not going to work out. So I'd mainly do it on my days off. Yeah, the other day was my last day of skiing. I went by myself and it was perfect. Like honestly, I went on all these ski dates. You know, I was on Bumble for a short time and it was a bit frustrating because yeah, I got out there and I talked to all these different people, but then they just like the vibes off or they just end up ghosting me. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's the thing everybody just ghosts everybody. 
it started out fine and we go skiing and I probably went on like no joke probably 13 ski dates like everybody just suggests oh let's go skiing I'm like yeah great <laughs> let's go skiing <laughs> so I did get better throughout the season and yesterday was the last time I went and I went by myself and the sky was perfect it was sunny it was blue and I really just enjoyed the views and that's the thing I don't mind doing things alone Sometimes I have more fun doing stuff alone. Sometimes you get used to just doing stuff alone. I mean, yes, I, I enjoy spending time with other people. There's that too. But there's nothing wrong if you do stuff by yourself. You know, I'd rather go out and do stuff by myself than wait for somebody else to do it with. Because I have this time now and I'm going to use it. So it was just such a great experience. Yeah, so in the next couple of days, I'm going to pack for Japan. And I'm already looking at my next trip in October. So I used to work with somebody. He was my assistant. And this was in Palm Springs at the hotel. And he was visiting for a year from Peru. They had this visa program. And the same thing they have now at the hotel here. He was visiting from Peru and we've stayed in contact this whole time. And this was over like 10 years ago. I'm going to visit Peru in October and I'm super excited. I mean, I think it's going to happen. The thing is, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when the next COVID is or whatever happens in your job. You know, like sometimes I think, oh, maybe I should just save this money. But for what? You know, there's always something that's going to happen that you need to spend money for. But at the same time, what is the point of life if you're not out there seeing things and enjoying it? Like that's, that's my view. But anyway, my my podcast after this will be me talking of my experiences in Japan, which I can't wait for. I'm going to write all these notes when I'm traveling. And I can't wait to, to try all the food, the sushi, and try all the ramen. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about what I see there and the cultural differences. And I'm sure I'll take over like a thousand pictures. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I have the Anthony Bourdain book, the World Traveler book. So there's a section of that on best restaurants in Tokyo. So I'm going to gather all that information. So thank you for listening. I'm Chef KB. Until next time for another episode of Cat the Baker. And please join me on Instagram at Chef KB or on YouTube at Cat the Baker. Until next time. 